Hi, we're the ladies of LifeSite, and we're so glad you're here. We're ladies simply navigating the challenges and triumphs of this modern culture as moms, wives, sisters, and daughters. Join us each week as we discuss the raw questions and situations that we face every day from our unique perspectives. So grab your cup of coffee, tea, or beverage of choice, and let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Ladies of LifeSite. I actually have a nice big cup of iced tea in front of me because I didn't have time to make hot tea. But you know, we're we're moving along. I, I hope you guys also have something either yummy to drink or I hope you're, you know, maybe if you've got your hands full and you're folding laundry, doing dishes, that at least you're got a smile on your face and you're excited to join us for this episode because I know I'm very excited to have you. Today we've got Lisa and Claire with us, two of our usual hosts, and then we're also super excited to have Danielle Zuccaro. Danielle is our Sustain Life Coordinator, so if you are a LifeSite Monthly Sustainer, you probably recognize her name from your insider emails that you get. And if you're not a monthly sustainer, I would highly encourage you to pray about it and consider helping support our our mission on a monthly basis. Any small amount would help. But Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Maddie. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. We are just super excited, especially because Danielle is the godmother of five kiddos and she sponsored seven converts who've come into the church. So she is what I would consider a kind of super godmother, super sponsor. And that's the focus of today's episode, godparents, how to pick them, what their roles are, you know, just how godparents play an important role in your kid's life. So I'm super excited to have Danielle on this episode because she's just got amazing experience in this area. And then Claire and Lisa are also godparents. So I'm the odd one out who is not a godmother, but I did have to obviously pick the godparents for our little one. And that was definitely a very tough choice. I know my husband and I spent almost all nine months of uh, my pregnancy deliberating and praying and praying and praying some more about who to pick as godparents for our little one. We are very blessed that it was really a matter of having too many good choices rather than too few, but we, we really wanted to make sure that we put a lot of time, thought, and prayer and discernment into picking the godparents for our little one because it's such an important relationship, right? Ideally, godparents should be present for, you know, the life of your child until either the godparent passes away or or your child does as an adult. So they're really around for quite a long time. So having that strong relationship, having a good firm foundation in their faith, you know, that's really important. And for my husband and I, we really focused on picking somebody who had, or two people who had very firm foundations in their faith, because that's the role of a godparent, right? Canon law says that a sponsor helps the baptized person to lead a Christian life in keeping with baptism and to fulfill faithfully the obligation inherent to it, it being a Christian life. And then we've got the catechism that says for the grace of baptism to unfold, the parent's help is important. So too is the role of the godfather and godmother, who must be firm believers, able and ready to help the newly baptized child or adult on the road of Christian life. So that's that's the main purpose of a godparent. And so I I think that sometimes we do get a little distracted. We want to pick 
family members or, you know, that really close friend or whoever it may be in order to honor them. But I think we really need to focus on that core mission of why you pick your godparents. And I think that that's why Danielle has so many godchildren, because I know that she has an absolutely beautiful faith, just knowing her through work, getting to spend time with her on our retreats her faith shines through in every single thing that she does. So I'm not surprised that she has the honor and the privilege of being a sponsor and a godparent to so many people. So Danielle, maybe you can talk to us a bit about what you see as the role of godparents. I know I just cited the catechism and canon law, but maybe you can kind of digest that a little bit for us. Tell us kind of what you've seen and and maybe some tips that you might have for any of the godparents who are listening. Sure, sure. Well, that's a great question. And thanks for the intro. I, it's a kind of a, you're hum- humbling me, but it's not all about me. This is, it's a very beautiful call. And I think the first place to start is I like to go back to the foundation of it, which is spiritual motherhood. And I know you, you guys talk a lot about on this podcast about motherhood and the beauties of it, the struggles with it, you know, the day in and the day out. And I think spiritual motherhood is really very, very similar. And I've learned a lot about physical motherhood from being a spiritual mother. And not all of us are called to both. So spiritual motherhood is really beautiful because just like Our Lady, she, you know, nurtured her son, Jesus, all throughout the course of life from the first nine months in the womb unto the cross. And so spiritual motherhood, while we don't you know, physically bear the child, we still lead the child throughout the course of life and nurture them in the ways of faith and struggle and suffer when they do or when they go astray. That's been one of the most keen insights I think I've gotten from from spiritual motherhood is that I suffer just like you all who are physical mothers suffer and I cry for them. I pray for them. I struggle for them and with them. And that's a different side of God parenting or sponsoring that I don't think people see a lot, but it's been something that I've learned. And, you know, if you take the role seriously, just as any mother would do when you take your role seriously and you love the child with your whole heart and your whole being, then those are natural, natural consequences of, of motherhood. I think that spiritual motherhood can teach one a lot about physical motherhood and vice versa. But I learn, I mean, it's not something that comes innately to me. I've been very well formed by my spiritual director and good readings on it. And honestly, trial and error, because, you know, I'm human, make mistakes. So, but I, but by taking it seriously, I think, you know, that's, that really is where the rubber meets the road. It is a relationship of love. And anytime there's love, there's going to be suffering. And because we want the, the best for the other person. So it really is a beautiful, beautiful spiritual relationship. And I, see it as a call and a vocation because, and it really is an honor because we're helping to nurture and to form the child or the adult to walk the way of holiness and to hopefully one day enter heaven. 
And that's a great, great privilege and a great call. That is so beautiful, Danielle. I really, I, I really think that's some beautiful insight. And I think one of the things that you touched on, you know, it's about getting your godchild to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. It's about throwing them in the faith. It's about helping them become a saint because we are, we are communal creatures. We need community and we need that support and we need other people to build us up and to be there for us. First and foremost, our parents, but we also need that, those godparents. And especially for, I think what's amazing, Danielle, and the great experience that you have that you can share is that you are not only a godmother to, you know, children who, you know, I'm, I'm sure most of the parents are Catholic, but you're also a godmother to a godmother sponsor. It's really the same role to, mm-hmm. to converts or to adults, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's, those people might not necessarily have their parents in their life who are playing an active role in guiding them in their faith. It's a very different kind of journey and formation, but the goal and the purpose is still the same of getting them to heaven, helping them to be saints. So maybe you can kind of share with us some of the, with the practical insight of what that looks like or what some of the things are, maybe some of the struggles you've run into in terms of forming these these wonderful people on their path. Because just like you said, you know, you suffer with them every day, you help form them. I think that would be, maybe you can give some, our listeners some insight in that area. It's so interesting because evangelization is one of my passions. It's one of my charisms and it's in my core. So the fact that I have several people who have converted and also interestingly, who, you know, the godparents or the, excuse me, the actual parents have asked me to be their child's godparent, they are converts. So a lot of the the people who have asked me are converts themselves, or I've sponsored people into the church because I help out with RCIA at a local college. And so by teaching it, teaching RCIA, which is for listeners who don't know, it's the class that unbaptized or uncatechized or non-Catholic people take when they are discerning whether or not to enter the Catholic church. By being a part of that and sharing the faith in a very, you know, raw way with many people, that's kind of where I've gotten several of the people I've sponsored. But it's really beautiful because, for example, Lisa, who's on the call, I'm her children's godmother, And Lisa and her husband are both converts. And so one of the neat things about when converts ask you, they oftentimes don't have many Catholics in their circles because the, they've come from other faiths and other backgrounds. And so that's been a really fascinating and wonderful experience because, you know, they're somewhat new Catholics and then you're also raising or forming, I should say, their children who are obviously new Catholics. And so there's a really beautiful dynamic of helping the parents become even better Catholic parents and also forming their child. So there's a really, really cool dynamic there, which has been really fun. So there is a component of not being the primary educator or former of the parent, obviously, but to help the parents even get to know the faith a little bit more to give good books on spiritual reading and to encourage family prayer. Because one of the the things about children, which you all know because you're parents, is that children are so impressionable. And so I think 
the first and one of the most important things that families, parents, physical parents need to do is to pray together and to show their children, even if it's unseen, but by praying daily, you know, individually and together, children over time, there's a change in you. Prayer changes things. And so children will pick up on that. Either they'll see your, you know, your rosary by the bedside, or they'll see the crucifix hanging over your bed. They see these things. And then I think as they get older, it's, it's beautiful to, you know, begin taking them to, you know, maybe a daily mass during the week so that they are more imbued and surrounded by the beauties of the liturgy. You know, I think sitting near the front of church on Sundays is a good thing because children are attentive when they're clo- up close and personal, when they can actually see the motions of the priest and the altar servers. I think, you know, visiting the statues in a church is also a really impressive thing for little ones, you know, go around the church and pray to the stat, pray in front of the statues and make your intentions before the saints. So these are like small little things, but they, they plant the seeds for, for holy living. And then, you know, of course, instilling at a young age, bedtime prayers, morning prayers, prayers before meals. So over the course of time, the prayer life doesn't stay at that place, but it's a solid foundation and hopefully prayer roots the family dynamic. And that's why I think it's important for both spouses to pray individually and as a couple, because that's a foundation that their children need throughout the course of life as well, both by example and the children need their prayers. So those are just a few things I can certainly expound upon more if you have other questions. But those are some of the things that I'm very, very passionate about because the couple, they need prayer and they need it to root their marriage, but they also need it for the sake of their children. I think that, I mean, it's so true and it's a really great a reminder for all of us. I know in my family, when we were growing up, we prayed a daily rosary every day. And it's it's amazing to see just the wonderful graces that came out of, you know, what's to us seemed so simple and so routine and was sometimes kind of, you know, as a teenager, kind of even annoying, but it brought so many graces just that, I mean, we had, there was a lot of prayer and, and a lot of the other things, but I, I always think about that one thing that really stands out to me and our, our devotion to our, our blessed mother through praying that rosary every day. So I think that that's, you know, those are, that's some really good advice and some really good tips. Claire, I, I do want to ask you too, because I know you're also a godmother. You know, Dan- Danielle obviously kind of took the cake and kind of hit on really good big, big tips and stuff. But Claire, what has been your experience? I don't I don't know how many godchildren you have, but but what's been your interaction with a godmother? I know Dan- Danielle just said like everything. <laughs> And I no, I felt like I could learn a lot from you too. Yeah, I'm godmother to two beautiful little girls. Um, well, one is not so little; she's fourteen. But I just think it's the greatest honor next to being a mother, right? Like it is just such a beautiful. I don't know; it's not a vocation, but it's just such a beautiful gift to be able to pray for these beautiful little souls and. It's such a special thing. I I take such great joy in it. I just feel like Danielle kind of covered everything. <laughs> it can't be stressed enough, though, how important it is to pray for them every single day. 
And I think I sometimes forget to do it because they're not in my everyday life or they weren't. But I just think I cannot be stressed enough that you have to pray for them every single day. As I know, my godparents are also praying for me every single day, if that makes sense. And I don't see my godparents at all, but I do know of their prayers. Do you know what I mean? And there's just such comfort in that and such beauty in that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Claire. It's, you know, that's actually kind of leads me into one of my next questions that I wanted to ask. But prayer is so important. There are so many graces that come from prayer and so many wonderful things that that are had from prayer. I know our little one's godmother, her son, his his grandmother kept his birth announcement in her Bible and prayed over that Bible and, and prayed for her son every day. And she really attributes kind of her son's great deep faith to all those prayers and just having that baby announcement in the Bible that of of her mother all throughout her mother's life. And and you know, some people may think, oh well that's silly or that's you know borderline superstitious. But Prayer is powerful. Prayer is grace-filled. And so, you know, maybe putting a baby announcement in a Bible may sound superstitious, but there really are beautiful fruits that come out of prayer. And I, I think that it can't be downplayed, the importance of praying for your godchildren. You know, people may think, oh, it's really not that much. But no, that's, if you're not near them, that's the most important thing you can do for them. And even if you are near them, that's still the most important thing you can do for them. But what do you guys do? And I don't know if this even applies to either of you all, but if maybe one of your godchildren has started to sort of fall away from the faith or fall out of touch with you, or maybe their parents are starting to fall away from the faith, do you guys have any experience kind of in that realm where it starts to become a little bit more difficult to be a godparent or maybe just, I don't want to say walking on nails, but just an area where it's a little bit more delicate rather than having this, you know, maybe beautiful four-year-old who's super excited running around looking at all of the stained glass windows. It's very different when maybe the, the child or the parents or this adult convert is starting to waver. So Danielle, do you have any insight maybe in that area at all? It's tough. It's a difficult, definitely a difficult situation, both if the parent begins or if the parent is not strong in the faith and falls away then the kid, the child, you know, more easily follows suit. Or if the child falls away, but the parent is solid, you know, that's a little bit of a different struggle because then you at least can sort of influence the child through the parent, hopefully. But it's a very important thing, that lifelong relationship. So, for example, I, I won't go into too many details, but like for teenagers, Oftentimes, they don't necessarily want to listen to their parents. And so being a young adult, sometimes I can maybe relate to them in a little bit of a different way because I'm not the parent. So someone once told me it's good to have even just a relationship where not every conversation is about the faith, but I can still relate to them. You know, we can go out to ice cream and just have the basis of trust so that if and when you know, like a bad decision comes up or they start to falter. It's like, okay, I can step in and, you know, be there if they need to, if they need to be there and tell someone that they trust, you know, about anything that happens, or I can be there to course correct, you know, basically, and hopefully be there all along the way to avoid those situations. But because the teenage years are so tricky and then you get into college and there's just so much more, 
challenges and responsibilities that come with adulthood, things are, are going to happen. But I do think that being there and being able to establish the relationship on trust, on, you know, friendship, it's not an equal relationship, you know, it's not like we're, we're best buds, <laughs> but it's again, the maternal relationship or in some cases like a big sis relationship. So, but I always, always try to instill the virtues because it is a relationship that is supposed to be aiming at holiness, beauty, goodness, and truth are, they resist they resonate with people, even if they don't want to talk about the faith. So if you can draw out those things and keep reinforcing the virtues, those are those are things that really resonate with people, even if they're not in a good place. And so those are just some things. If the if the parent is fallen away, it's a little bit more difficult because if they're resistant to practicing the faith, then you sometimes can only have so much contact with the child but I haven't necessarily had too much experience with that. But that's, again, where a lot of prayer and fasting comes in. And I have started praying very, very specific prayers. I'm doing a 54-day rosary novena right now. And I've, I have like very specific intentions. I pray for them all by name every night anyway, but like specific intentions for what I want to occur in the hearts of these people is what I've started praying for recently. And, and our lady hears those prayers and she will deliver them to her son. So in the end, yes, we've already harped on it, but the prayer and the fasting, because sometimes that is all you can do. Planting the seeds all along the way definitely is is part of it too. And then the prayer kind of helps nurture, nurture those seeds that have been planted. I think that's really beautiful, Danielle, because, you know, one of the things that you talk about in terms of building a relationship, it's being that Christian witness to them, right? You don't necessarily have to be the school teacher or the catechism teacher who's always harping on, you know, these mm -hmm. are the things that you need to be doing and learning about your faith. And pr are you praying your rosary? Well, I'm not even, you know, Here's a 16-year-old. I'm not even going to church. Right. It's about being that example and evangelist to them, you know, in terms of being showing the beauty of the faith and the the fullness of truth in mm. your life and having that reflect through you. So I think that that's really beautiful. Danielle, and then Claire, I'll go to you, but can you share with us maybe one or two of your favorite, either most heartening or kind of favorite moments of being a godmother? Oh, yes, there are so many. I love the impressionable ages of like three and four because the children can be just so excited if you're excited about it. I mean, as we get older and deeper in our faith, you know, we're supposed to become more like children. And I love being around children because their innocence and their joy is just so contagious. They teach me. I mean, there's just so many beauties of it. And so a couple of things. One, just a simple thing with Lisa's little sweet children. I would love just going around after mass and we, we pray in front of all the different statues. I say, who's this? Mama Mary, you know, and we're, and I said, yeah, and Jesus has a mommy and a daddy just like you. And so you teach the little ways of faith like that in small ways. And they, they pick up on who, they pick up on who's in the church and, you know, who the different saints are. They pick up on it. They're so 
They're like sponges. Another really cute little story, though, was, you know, anything can be used to, to teach the faith. And so, you know, we'll go on. I'll go on walks with my godchildren and we'll, or we'll, one day we were at the park and, you know, there's a big play set. And I think my little one, little godchild was about four or five at the time. And it was a Saturday and we had gone to mass in the morning and the gospel was about St. Peter and chains when he was in prison. And so we have this huge, you know, playground and it was just us there. So I said, did you go to mass this morning and you heard the gospel? I said, I explained what it was. And I said, so St. Peter was locked up in jail and he was, you know, chained, his wrists were chained and he was there all night. And the angel of the Lord came to the door and broke his chains and rescued him, even though there were guards in front. So what we did was we went like under the slide. So there were three of us, her, her mom, and me. One of us was the guard, one of us was St. Peter, and one of us was the angel. And we went, you know, like under the slide was the, the little jail cell. And then, you know, the guard would be in front. And then the angel of the Lord would come when the guard was asleep and rescue St. Peter. <laughs> and she had so much fun doing that because we, we rotated the roles. So each of us got to be one of the three roles. She had so much fun doing that and like, you know, breaking St. Peter free from, from jail and rescuing him. And literally a month later, when I saw her, she said, can we go back to the park and play St. Peter? <laughs> she like totally, she totally remembered. She remembered the exact story. I said, what happened in it? She told me the exact story, the, you know, exactly what happened, who was involved because it made the, the story real. You know, it was a true story that happened and it made the gospel come alive for her. So I think anytime we can do that, like the faith is, it can be fun to teach. That's why I love it. That's why I love the young ages. That's why I love, you know, teaching it to college students because the faith can really come alive if we, if we really believe it, you know, it's a real faith. So, and it's a living faith. So why not, you know, teach it that way? So that's just a cute little, little anecdote because, you know, it's, it's a practical, it's a, it's a good little sweet story. I have one other thing that it's a good suggestion that parents can actually use. And I actually learned it from mother Miriam, which is why I'm going to share it because many of you will probably I love know. mother. Miriam. She is so great. She's, She's just fantastic. Walking saint. I, love I know. Her. I know. She really is. So she, I was telling her about my little godchildren when I met her in person two years ago. And she said, oh, here's a great little thing you can do. So you can have a little statue of Our Lady. She teaches the virtues this way to little children. So you have like a little empty jar or an empty container on the right and a full jar of like buttons or, you know, like little sequins or something on the left. So she said, what you do is you teach the child the small, simple virtues. And so if the child say, clears their plate after dinner without being told they can go over to our lady and offer her a little 
virtue that they've done and they move the little sequin or whatever from the full jar to the empty jar. And the goal is to try to fill the empty one up with all of the virtues, with all of the little sequins or whatever. And each time they're offering her a little prayer, you know, saying basically like, give my good deed to Jesus or, you know, just saying a little prayer in front of Our Lady. But the goal is to also teach it to them to do it, you know, without being seen. Not that we're being secretive about anything, but it's a good thing. So to do it without being asked to be able to to go over to Our Lady and offer a little bit, a little prayer, you know, on their own, you know, without mommy and daddy telling them time and time again to, you know, clean up the toys or whatever. So it's a cute little small way of, and they, and the goal is to try to fill up the empty jar because it's kind of like becomes a little game with them. So I just thought that that was a cute little, a cute little thing. And I do, I do that with my, one of my little ones too. And she does, she goes over and she puts the things in the empty jar on her own. And when I came back, one of the one of the next times she said look my jar is almost full <laughs> so they really do take it seriously it's so cute that is so cute. I love that I hadn't yeah. heard that before from mother but I I really like that idea we're gonna have mm-hmm. to start doing that that is so great yeah Claire, what about you do you have any just kind of beautiful stories or fond memories with your godchildren or being a godmother I don't <laughs> Really deeper, Claire. Deeper. <laughs> well, one of my godbabies I haven't seen in a couple of years because of stupid COVID. Well, I guess I haven't seen her in yeah almost two years. Isn't that pathetic? It I it makes me so sad because they well they also live far away. But my other godchild, I was her favorite aunt for a really long time. So I don't know. That just kind of I think that's just a special relationship that I have with her that none of my other siblings have. I get to like take her out of school because just because things like that. I I have such a special relationship with her. I have that friendship and like, and I get to just love on her in special ways. I think that's so great. I think that is, I mean, those are little things that kids will remember forever. You know, just getting to either go to, go to lunch with Aunt Claire, you know, from being in school or having Aunt Claire pick us up. It's, it's amazing those little things that really stick with us into adulthood. I just remembered she writes amazing letters. Like that is just such a gift that she has. And for my birthday one year, she always writes me a letter for my birthday. And one year she wrote me this beautiful letter and about how, what I meant to her and how big of a difference I made to her. And that was just such a, I don't know, that still kind of makes me cry a little bit. That is so beautiful. That's, wow, that's amazing. But now she's 14 and doesn't have time for me, so. (laughs) Tears do happen, sadly. But you know what? You'll always be there, right? Whether she has time for you or not, you always have time for her. Exactly. I do want to switch gears just a little bit because I think that just as the role of being a godparent is super important, Picking your godparents is so crucial. And I know we kind of did it backwards. You pick your godparents first. But Lisa, Danielle already mentioned this, that she is 
a godmother for two of your kiddos. So maybe you can give us some insight into what went through your head and what kind of went into that decision of picking godparents for for your kiddos and and why you picked Danielle. Besides the fact that she's just awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Well, after, you know, listening to Danielle talk for the last, you know, amount of time we've been on here, I think it's clear to everybody why we picked her. (laughs) But just like Danielle talked about in the beginning, my husband and I both being converts, I became Catholic in 2015 and my husband became Catholic in 2016. And we had our first daughter in 2017. So just being such new Catholics, just like Danielle said, we didn't have a lot of Catholics in our circle quite yet. And we were still growing in our faith. I mean, we still are. I mean, it's such a journey. But for us, I I had worked with Danielle in a previous job that we both worked together. We shared an office and I had seen her faith in action in so many ways and in different conversations that we had together and seeing her even talk to this coworker of ours who was atheist and he would question her on the faith and just how she was able to defend her faith and answer questions, but in such a loving way. So for us, when we started to think about, you know, who do we want as as the godparents, it was, I mean, initially it was like, okay, you you do sort of think about family, but neither of us really have any Catholic family. And so it was like, okay, so (laughs) what about friends? And so we kind of just started thinking and talking and really praying about it. And I said, I really feel like we should ask Danielle. And so that's kind of where it started. And Danielle, though, I have always so appreciated that she has taken the role so seriously, um, especially for us being so new in a sense in our faith. I remember when we first asked her, she said, can I come over and meet with you just to talk about this? Because I do take this role so seriously. So that to me was such a so beautiful from the beginning to have her come over and we talked about it and it made sure that we were committed and that she was and that wasn't just a name for her of, you know, okay, this is your godmother, but it was recognizing that she was going to be a part of our family in this way. So we've really just so been blessed to have her. And even like the example she just gave of, you know, Mother Miriam's teaching virtues through the jar, like she'll give us ideas like that. And, you know, because she's a godparent of a few other kiddos, it's been really neat to get ideas and glean and And really also recognize, especially at the ages of our kids, because they are so young, just continuing to recognize how impressionable they are and how in the smallest of ways we can teach them the faith. So it's just been such an honor. And my husband and I just actually two weeks ago became godparents of some of our friends' kids who live in the area. And that has actually, it's kind of scary to me because, you know, I'm like, I see a godmother like Danielle, who's just so amazing. So I have actually even learned a lot about spiritual motherhood from Danielle. So for these um, kids who we just became godparents of, I'm taking a lot of the things that I've learned from Danielle being a godmother to our kids and applying them for them. So it's actually been really neat, but as such a new godmother, I don't have much advice, but I do love what you said, Danielle, that sometimes all we can do is pray, you know, in those situations or, you know, just where you're not sure what to do. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. So I have just loved, loved having her as an example to our kids and yeah, and to me and my husband as well. I mean, it's just been such an honor. So I think that's really beautiful. I I think you are so blessed and so fortunate to have Danielle as a godmother to your to your two little girls, but also just to have her in your life. And now hopefully to get to kind of honor her contribution to your family by 
being an awesome godmother and taking what you've learned from her and kind of applying that to to being a godmother for this little one that you're now the godmother of. I think that's awesome. One of the things that, you know, just really strikes me as we've been talking about being a godparent, specifically being a godmother on this episode, is the importance of who you pick for your godparents because they do play such a crucial role. You know, Danielle's talked a lot about her experiences. And I, I think in those examples, it becomes very evident that young, old, wherever you fall in between, having somebody to help spiritually encourage you and to be there is crucial. It's crucial for your spiritual development and it's crucial for, for flourishment. Not everybody gets that. Not everybody has a, an active godparent, but it is really important. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why when we were asked recently, we really had to pray about it because knowing how, how seriously Danielle takes the role for our kids, I, I mean, that has always showed me just how important the role is. So we didn't want to just, you know, okay, sure, we'll be the kind of silent godparents to <laughs> your kids. But we really had to kind of discern that. And But I agree. I think that sometimes when picking godparents, it can be one of those things. We don't have, you know, a, a lot of Catholic family like many people do. But I, I could see that as a challenge of having, you know, who do we pick from our family, you know, and okay, it's Aunt Sally's turn up next, like Danielle had said in a conversation we had earlier and, oh, but Aunt Sally's not a practicing Catholic or whatever. So I think that can be a hard decision point. But I think as the parents, you really have to just understand the seriousness of the role and don't just sign anybody up for it. Because like Danielle said, you know, as they hit the teen years and they need that, you know, or they might have that close relationship with the godparents, but maybe not, they don't want to talk to you as, as the parents about things. That's where it can play such a crucial role too. And, and the prayer and all of the different sides and aspects of it. So I do agree. I think it's such an important role. And I think when you go to pick, you know, the godparents, I really... You really have to kind of pray about it and also be a little bit detached from the obligation to choose somebody because they're family or because they're a friend or because, you know, whatever the situation may be, it can kind of be, there can be a lot of pressure to fall into that. But I want to encourage everyone, if you're at the stage of trying to pick people, just to really pray about it and understand that this is somebody who is going to be assisting you as a parent in getting your kids to heaven, in a sense. So it's a really serious role when you think of it in that light. And so you don't just want anyone. You stole the words right out of my mouth, Lisa. That is that was <laughs> my train of thought. Exactly. So thank you. I think that that is so beautiful. And and I do think it's really important. And there's really nothing more that I can add to that because it was just so perfect. So kind of on that note, I'm going to kind of wrap up today's episode. The only thing that I would say is I hope that if you are a godparent or if you're considering picking godparents, that this episode inspired you to kind of maybe not step up your game, but really deepen your faith, deepen that relationship and recommit to your your godchildren in, in that spiritual role. And, and if you've fallen away or fallen out of contact with them, or if they don't want contact with you, just to renew that prayer for them. You know, it's St. Monica who prayed and prayed and prayed without ceasing for, for her son. And, and look, we have St. Augustine, who is just a phenomenal saint in our church and has contributed so much 
to to the Catholic Church as a whole. So do not discredit that power of prayer, especially as a godparent. So like I said, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode, maybe found some inspiration from it. And even if you aren't a godparent, maybe you have a child or a friend or somebody in your life who you have more of that kind of guiding role for, because you don't necessarily have to be a god, well, you don't, you don't have to be a godparent at all in order to play an important role in, in building up somebody in their faith life or being a good source and pillar for them as they grow in their faith. So hopefully, no matter where you are in your life journey or in your faith journey, you've learned something from today's episode, or hopefully you can share it with somebody who is considering becoming a godparent or, or considering picking godparents or is a godparent right now. So on that really long conclusion, be sure to subscribe to our email list. If you're a constant listener, you know that the link is in the description down below. If you're not subscribed. We're not going to spam you just once a week on Mondays when we publish the episode, you'll get a nice little email reminder so that you've got it nice and handy for when you go to do the laundry or have a couple of minutes to do the dishes so you can find it and hopefully just take this inspiration with you throughout the day. If you have any questions, comments, if you've got a topic you want discussed, you can email us at ladies at lifesightnews.com. L-A-D-I-E-S at lifesightnews.com. And finally, if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, we spoke with Elizabeth Johnston. She's also popularly known as Activist Mommy. I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you take a couple of moments, even if you can't get through the whole thing, listen to the first five or 10 minutes. It was an amazing episode. It's an amazing pick-me-up if you're a mama it's an amazing reminder of the seasons that we have in our life. It's just a great encouragement for, you know, really anybody out there, mom, sister, wife, daughter. So please take a minute, go check that out. You can find it on lifesightnews.com. Um, and I hope you guys have an awesome week and we can't wait for you to join us next week. Bye.